All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of your favorite paranormal podcast on the planet Earth and every planet that there isn't known uh, to to not just man, but all organisms of life that travel around this world in this universal situation, like a universal soldier would do, like some Jean-Claude Van Damme. But um, like the magic of his dancing and kickboxer, uh, we put Jean-Claude to bed and we talk about, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, on, on paper, it'd be kind of hard to explain what this is. Of course, you hear magic, everybody knows what magic is, but if you were to try to sit down and explain to somebody without them knowing what it is or without being able to say it's magic, magic's magic, you know what magic is. Um, it'd be very difficult to do, but here at Mostly Ghostly, we like to do the things that are the most difficult. So today, we strap it on our books, our boots rather, uh, our books and our backpacks, wand, we're not going to Hogwarts, okay? We don't get down with Hogwarts. Uh, Hogwarts sounds like an STD, to tell you the truth, uh, let alone Harry Potter, so... Today we're going to roll into the world of magic, okay? And what exactly it is, I mean, magic in itself is such a gigantic topic, but uh, today we want to break down a little bit the ancient art of the magic, you know what I mean? Um, Ray, before we, get yeah. into, before we get into the fun and the facts, what's your take on magic and what we're about to get into today? Uh, misunderstood, but very real. Yeah. Uh, everybody associates it, oh, magic is wicked or witchcraft. Uh, magic is evil. Mm-hmm. And also, one guilty party is Hollywood. Another one is authors trying to write a good book. Is that They twist around cultural uh, stories and legends and uh, beliefs into something that they can sell. Yeah. Uh, we, we've run across that before. And I think that that kind of is not in the way of the idea of what real magic is. Uh, one thing that we should look into in a future show is chaos magic. Mm. That's, that's very popular right now. And uh, that's a whole episode in itself. Sounds chaotic. Yeah, there's a teaser for you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, as long as humanity has had beliefs in, uh, in deities, the supernatural and the powers of magic, the use of magic, spells, and curses have been featured widely across cultures. You know, we've talked a little bit on the show before about curses and such, and, um, you, know, how, you know, just the, the act of saying you wish something would happen to somebody uh, is very troublesome. You know what I mean? It might not be as as deviously intertwined as a spell with some, you know, throwing out some, some, some certain phrases and maybe adding some elements to it, but definitely throwing that stuff out there is negatory, you know, but, uh, very much entwined with human nature. Such beliefs and practices have continued to the present day. Archaeological finds show evidence of a plethora of ancient curses and protective spells, such as the discovery of the cursed tablets, the evil eye talisman, or Menaccio from a previous episode, and warding items. 
You know what I mean? You know, the Curse Tablets is uh, some heavy Dale stuff. That was the na- one of our the names of one of our albums when we had, we were doing music back in the day. Now, the Evil Eyes Big, you know what I mean? Now, now uh, that was a fun episode we did, dealt with back in the past with the, the Malachio. Um, the Evil Eye, if anybody out there oozing Malachio, uh, if anybody out there going to want to d- dive into, you know, the Evil Eye look, d- definitely go out there and check into that one. But uh, back to this history of curses varies between cultures, locations, religions, or beliefs in times even. However, the intention of the curse has consistently been conjured a supernatural power to inflict misfortune or punishment on a target. A curse sometimes called a jinx, a hex, or dark spell can be verbalized, written, or sometimes cast through elaborate ritual. The aim is to see harm befall the recipient. Bad luck may dog them, death may take them, or any number of dire or annoying uh, fates uh, may plague them. Uh, in antiquity, a curse was a powerful phenomena, often viewed as the summoned wrath of gods or the presence of evil forces. Now, when you say when it's when it says the wrath of gods, you almost it would almost uh, like a, they would be working. I almost put them to get like evil forces is what I would attest to a curse. Now, the wrath of God. What's your take on this wrath of God thing? Or God. In many cultures, uh, when you're talking about the wrath of gods, they're talking about... Like harvest? Bad harvest? A what? Like when they get bad harvests and stuff like that and famine, they blame the wrath of God punishing them? Uh, They do. Um, Also, whether it's Greek, Roman, ancient Egyptian, and even other cultures have multiple gods. And you could piss one of them off by doing the wrong thing, yeah. which is why you had, then you'd suffer their wrath, which is why you had rituals that paid homage to or tried to keep happy these gods. And if they weren't happy, you paid for it. And like you said, it might be a bad harvest. Uh, it might be a plague runs through the town. Fertility. Yeah. yeah. Fertility. Yep. No, no fertility. So you want to make sure that, you know, give the proper sacrifices to the God of the fertility. Yeah. But the, the belief in multiple gods, both good and bad, we call them demons of the devil. Some just call them gods and associated them with the underworld um, or hell, their version of hell. Um, that goes way, way back. One thing a lot of people don't realize is that... Um, in the ancient Hebrew, they had a word for the supernatural, and it was very, very close to, but not the same as, as the word for God. But they had a word for the supernatural because they believed there were forces out there, which we did not understand, but very powerful forces, and they existed. And also, part of it, if you go to that phrase that is, you shall have no other gods before me. There was a belief that there were all these lesser gods. You have one supreme, but there are also these lesser gods underneath. And we've, through history, we've kind of turned some of them into archangels and some of them into demons and given them different attributes. But they're out there. And just like you pray pray to, for instance, angels for blessings, and you might pray to a particular demon for a curse. Yeah. 
you know, without getting to behold the pill podcast out there for the folks. I'd always, I always, one of my favorite of all the stories with like the government stuff, when you talk about all the crazy things they do behind the scenes, there was like, um, you know, reading up on certain things where they were like trying, they were, you know, witch doctors, they were figuring out, you know, how these people do these certain things, you know, and they, they very much so believe in magic and, you know, you, you know, you almost think there was some dark arts going on, you know what I mean? But we're not going to get too con- con- conspiratorial here. This is mostly ghostly. You know, it was believed that those findings themselves, cur- uh, cursed, could seek help from the magic practitioners, shamans, religious leaders, healers, or witch doctors, and have the curse reversed through counter rituals or prayer. Now, I know that you're a bit of a shaman over there, my friend. I think so. No? You don't think so? Um, I've never used that name. I had one. Uh, I've got a Wiccan friend who considers me a shaman, but I've never used the name. Well, if if it was if it was something that you held you held up in high regard, then you should be called that. I feel you fall into that category. Have you ever been involved with any type of thing of reversing of a curse? Uh, if you call it, I have ceremonies. I do to remove curses. For like just the overall protection thing, and you have to ever have to get into it with like a client or, or, or some person that was heavily haunted, heavily affected by a curse that was thrown on them. Uh, twice with people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and they were suffering various things in their life, including illnesses, and went through ceremonies to help them get over and past that and uh, heal from it. And I think whether it's their power for self-healing and belief, whether it was the intervention of something higher than me, I'm not sure what part I played in it, but both are doing well now. Did you, when you did that, did you ever get to the bottom of where that, where it came from the curse? Like when you're, when you're weeding through it to fix it, can you find out where it came from? Or is that something that doesn't have a face? It just kind of gets thrown out there like, you know, a bullet. It had, an, uh, it had it knew where it was going. The bullet knew where it was going, but you don't really know where the gun is, you know. Uh, both times I was able to determine where the shot was fired from. To use the uh, bullet analogy. Yeah. Uh, probably more accidental than anything else. I never bothered to try with that. Hmm. Yeah, I always wonder about those things because, you know, like we said, you could either it could be some something as simple as just really, you're not really thinking something would happen, but you're in a bad mood. So you're wishing something bad on somebody, which the fact that you're in a bad mood isn't an excuse to do it. So, like, it's still real. Um, you know, the intention of uh, that's more accidental, I'd say, you know, where you're just like, oh, well, I wish, you know, that I that have a tire blowout or whatever, you know, and something bad happens as opposed to. You know, in the last episode, we talked about uh, a lady that laid a curse on a, another woman. And uh, what was it after three days, the baby passed away after three generations of. Uh, oh, yeah. It kept, yep. The babies. Uh, yeah. Gener- it was a generational curse. The babies doll. kept dying within three days. Yeah. They were given a doll, I think. If the doll was around, I think that was the case. It was tied into the doll. Yeah. Yeah. Craziness. Um, but yeah, that, that stuff always, and people don't, it's like the Ouija board. People don't quite know 
the damage that can be done, so they do it so openly, you know what I mean? Well, you also have when, when people like you mentioned the word you use the word intention. Yeah. When people when people have the intention, they're putting the energy out there. An active curse where someone does a ritual, then they call on they not only have that intention and their own energy, they're involving something uh, from the other side. They're, they're involving something supernatural that kind of really ramps up. And makes it quite dangerous for them as well as the person they're putting the curse on, because uh, it will come back at you, and it's be a long while you're going to be miserable. Yeah, you know, back in the day, a way to avoid being cursed in the first place was to possess certain items of protection or warding, which I know you believe in, like the uh, uh, pouches with rocks and crystals and stuff, necklaces, crosses. Um, I know you do have things written on your flesh. You know, it's not a necessity, they say in the biz, but, you know, it, it is protection. Um, back in the day, in this, in this era, what do you think they're talking about mainly? Pen, pen you know, pendum, uh, like the, the, the pendants and crosses and, you know, stuff like that. They probably did the, they probably did stones and jewelry. Uh, they would do stones. A lot of times it was what we now call, um, early variations, and this could be another episode. But uh, what we now uh, call call a sigil, making it making a symbol that represents something, yeah. usually and usually an intention in their personal power. I think a lot of the times back there, they would take basically sacred words, inscribe the words. Um, one way to and you can do it for a blessing is to write down the blessing on a piece of paper. And then with an intention to call in the blessing, you burn, you burn the paper and release that. You release that blessing through the burning and your intention. Yeah. So, uh, written, written curses and, uh, certain symbols that might symbol might stand for the deity that they're invoking. Uh, would be used, but a lot of times, uh, very, very basic or primitive writing was used to uh, bring the curse down. Yeah. Now, they also talk about the, you know, the good. They would use this magic for good as well as for bad. You know, we talked a little bit about some of the bad curses that you get, but they also have, you know, um, for, for weather, you know, to make sure good weather is coming for their crops, to ward off disasters, you know, superstition type deals. You know, there's all different types of uh, situations where, you know, for, who knows what it is, you know, you could, all, you, you could argue all day, I guess, who they were talking to and who was making what work. And was it really a miracle or was it really, you know, like a dark art of, to, you know, to trick the minds or something, you know? Well, I'll give you a situation. You can decide whether it was um, real or just weird coincidence. Yeah. I was at a Native American gathering one time and we were uh, drumming and... Uh, doing different dances and drums and they did a ceremony and they did a rain dance. And just about the time they finished it, just, uh, you could hear in the distance a little bit of thunder and you could see some dark clouds. And what happened is it was, it looked like a line of thunderstorms heading our way. 
and it started getting closer, so we decided to do a different uh, song, which is actually called White Sky, mm. uh, which is a kind of a celebration song. I mean, everybody goes absolutely crazy. Sometimes uh, multiple drums do it at the same time, and it is very, very powerful and upbeat. So we did a multiple drum thing where uh, we were all doing it together. And just as fast as it popped up, all of the clouds disappeared. Mm. So some people say, oh, that, that's coincidence. The front was coming through and then it broke up. But the timing was so perfect. You got to say, well, maybe there was a little something else happening there as well. Yeah. Don't know. But it was weird timing. Yeah, for sure. I know we just sat down with a, a guest that we won't name. We'll, we'll tease that we got a, we got a nice big guest, a big filmmaker guest uh, that a lot of folks out there will probably get down with uh, if they like horror or they like the science fiction-y world. Um, but he was telling a story of, um, you know, something kind of like that where there was a ceremony going on and it was, it was focused on weather. And uh, when it wrapped up, you know, there was actual... Uh, weather, something that the weather did what it was supposed to do with the thing, and he was talking about how crazy it kind of got. But uh, tune in for future Mostly Ghostly and maybe a Halloween special to find out more info on that, um, for sure. But, yeah, I definitely, I, I do. I think that the, it could, that, 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 I think that there could be something to that, for sure, you know. There's a lot that goes all the way back to the Native Americans, you know, it, it, you got to ask yourself, do you believe that when the Native Americans do it and, and always did it and it happened, do you believe the, that? You know what I mean? If you do. Well, you also you have a group, a large group of people. Um, the dancers are in a, a sacred circle. Yeah. But you have a large group of people with an intention that are believers. And they're drumming and singing. Now you're throwing in all that, those vibrations. And thoughts are energy and vibration. The drum and the singing is energy and it's vibration. You take a look at the atmosphere and you take a look at thunderstorms. That's all energy. It's true. So it's, uh, can that connection be there? I believe so. Yeah. I think so. I mean, because the spiritual, that's what this energy is, the spirit thing and the electricity so it makes sense, you know, like it really does kind of make sense when you think about it. The energy uh, and the electricity and the thunder and lightning and creating rain and the whole deal. Like uh, there's a lot there to be thought, you know what I mean, to be thought of and to, to be said for that. But let's jump into a Pharaoh's curse real quick. Uh, Army of the Pharaohs, you know what I mean? Ancient Egyptian curses are probably the most notorious. Uh, they gained infamy in 1922. When the tomb of Pharaoh Tutankhamun was opened, the mysterious deaths of some of the archaeological team and prominent visitors uh, to the tomb soon after it was opened. And the subsequent publicity caused a firestorm of speculation as to the power of the curses. Journalists and authors of the day fanned the flames. Now, I remember hearing about this, obviously not when it happened, but I do remember hearing this um, story. You've, have you heard this story before? Uh, yes, and I've seen several documentaries that try and explain it away. 
Uh-oh. You tell. Well, some of them say that when they opened the tomb itself, it had been sealed so long that they released certain, I don't know whether it was bacteria or something, that the people inhaled and later on got sick and died, which doesn't explain for all the ac- the accidental or weird deaths that happened. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, there's a whole group of people associated with that that had some really bad luck and some of them died. And their careers and their life up to that point were going pretty good. It all happened after they broke into the tomb. That's craziness. You know, I, the, the, something as powerful as him where they worshipped him and stuff, it's quite possible that he would bring a bad, you're disturbing his rest, you know what I mean? It can be as simple as disturbing the rest that caused it. Yeah. That's all for a powerful person like that, an entity like that. That's all it would take. Do you remember a couple of years back, they opened up a tomb and they found some like black liquid in it? And if I, wa- I want to say people wanted to drink it, there was people that like wanted to acquire it and drink it. Like, what the hell was that all about? <laughs> That's just insanity. They, they were expecting to try and pick up some sort of power or something from drinking this liquid, even though it might kill them. They didn't know what it was. But, yeah, no, that's, that's just what I consider immature people tr- trying to grasp at something that they didn't understand. Uh, that's where COVID originally came from, I believe, was what I, drinking that fluid. That's uh, a horrendous behavior. Well, I remember hearing that. It was so crazy that it did it. You're like, this can't be real. People can't be this. They might think this in their head. They're not saying this out loud. What is going on? Um, so going back to the archaeology of the 1922 situation um, and, the, and all the speculation, in reality, the deadly curses in royal tombs in Egypt are rare. As the idea of invaders or raiders breaching the tomb and descending, uh, desecrating the contents was unthinkable and even dangerous to inscribe. Yeah, like they worry about that stuff, but they're, the more so, I think, would be the, the, thief, the thievery of the riches and stuff like that that a lot of them get buried with and you know, gold catacombs and, you know what I mean, all that from, from all them. I think that's more what they'd want to break it and steal, unless I just watch way too many movies. No, I, I agree with you. They went after the riches. They went after whatever they could sell. Um, that's, that's the main thing. I mean, desecration's bad news, too. Nobody wants to deal with that, especially the dead. I mean, the dead, the biggest thing the dead would have an issue with was them kicking its head around like a soccer ball. You know what I mean? Um, them taking their golden chalice, their golden uh, pimp cup with the diamonds in it. They're not worried about that anymore. Or um, using, the empty, using the empty skull as a chalice. Yeah, exactly. Eating their cereal. Eating some cereal, some medieval cereal, ancient Egyptian cereal out of it. Um, pour, some of that black, pour some of that black fluid <laughs> yeah. on it. What a concoction they would create. My goodness. Crazy people. For sure. They should lock them up. Mourning and wards were more frequently used to preserve the ritual purity of a tomb or the generalized protection. Wikipedia noted that some curses can be found in private tombs of the old kingdom. One tomb, uh, tomb from the 9th to 10th dynasty warns any ruler who shall do evil or wickedness to this coffin, may uh, he-man, which means local deity, uh, not accept any goods he offers, and may his ear not inherit. 
So I think that just means they'd die poor and they'd fucking starve to death and any of their ears would ne- never get anything. So it'd be pretty much... Well, yeah. The, 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 these other kings that are going to go there and they're going to pray for their whatever reason for their power and their kingdom and their wealth and stuff like that. And this person's basically saying that, uh, nope, you touch this grave and that deity that you're praying to is going to shut you down. They're not going to listen. They're not going to care. And you're going to be on your own. You really want that? No, leave leave this to him alone. What a threat. I mean, he's playing, he's playing golf with the big boys up there when he can throw down threats like that. Yep. Um, warnings and wardings. Let's talk. Let's bump into a little more of those curses, or the threat of a cursed object was a clever method used to protect valuables. During the medieval period, book curses were widely used and effective at keeping thieves away from uh, precious tombs and important scrolls. The medieval Catholic Church possessed many of the books, and the penalty for defacing or stealing books was high. Curses written in the tombs were uh, warned would-be thieves of dire repercussions such as excommunication or damnation. Now, excommunications, when they throw you out, and that don't sound like that awful, but then you freeze to death, you starve to death. There's a lot of of deaths that you got to deal with at that point. Um, This practice dated back to pre-Christian times and was used in the earliest libraries. The books in the collection uh, at the Library of Nineveh uh, in Menestamomia were marked with the various curses. People think that paying the the book fee, the late book fee, is bad. They used to throw curses on you back in the day. Uh, And what reads as as a threat against copyright infringement? One text has the warning, whoever shall carry this tablet or shall inscribe his name on it, side by side with my own, may usher and beelt overthrow him in wrath and anger, and may they destroy his name in posterity and land. So they're pretty much saying, if you mess with our stuff, know that you're going to get demolished. Your whole life's going to be demolished. You know, the idea of curses and jinxes is found in various holy books, as in the Christian Bible. The generational curse is one mentioned. We talk about that on the show a few times. Appearing multiple times um, in Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. God warns that he is a jealous God, punishing the children of the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Um, This recommended way to break the generational curse is to repent and find salvation. I want to uh, read that one more time. God warns that he is a jealous God punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. So if you were to be a bad person, I think he's saying that it's going to come back on your, your kin generations down the line. Is that what he's going for? Uh, yes. That's kind of dark. It almost feels like we deal with, that's like the world we live in today a little bit. Well, it's also a belief at that time. Um, oh, went into my head and went back, out, went back out of my head also. A lot of the attributes people that people would put on 
the deity around God was very much like the local king or the local ruler would have. Mm-hmm. And quite often, uh, if you're on the short end of the stick with them, they would they might kill you and sell your family into slavery. And that would last for generations. So it's kind of like also land and wealth was all passed through the sons for generations. So that once you were cursed that way, if you screwed up, it's kind of like not only you screwed up, everybody who remembers you is going to hate you because their life is all messed up and they're going to all blame you for it. So it's kind of like they're trying to lay down real thick to say, do not mess up because it's not just you that's going to pay. Well, it's a kids are going to pay. Yeah, it's, it's a leg- legacy. It's a legacy thing. You know, that that goes from the kings and queens all the way down to the peasants that want to be known as good people. You know what I mean? And they go, I'm going to try and live a good life so when I'm gone, it'll be good for my, my kinfolk. People rem- remember me well. You know, these kings and queens, of course... They want to be, you know, even in death, they want to be held up high, you know what I mean? And then you have just regular folks that, you know, they don't want, they don't, they don't, they don't want that their family to be spit on when they walk down the street because, you know, of you. Um, so you have this very, yeah, you know, it really is. It's one, it's kind of a way to tag people in and like uh, still kind of hold something over them even after they're dead, you know what I mean? Yep. All right, the infamous Devil's Bible, a massive manuscript that legends say was written in a single night by a monk in a pact with the devil. Uh, it's said to be cursed and brings misfortune to anyone who possesses it. Are you familiar with the Devil's Bible? Um, I've heard about it. I've heard different stories about it, but not, not a lot of detail. Uh, it was written by a monk. Now, monks are more middle of the road when it comes to religion, right? They're like a weird, they're, they're like a middle middle of the road type deal? Uh, not really, because they just kind of got together in a monastery and gave up all of life and turned to uh, serving uh, God in that way, denying their own life. So they were supposedly very... In their day-to-day, since they gave up all the things of the flesh, they were supposedly very uh, religious. Yeah. The book is uh, 36 inches tall and 20 inches wide. And an amazing 8.7 inches thick when closed. Beautifully, beautifully bound and leather-covered wooden folder with an ornate metal corner piece and the center emblem. The design alone merits consideration. It's a true work of art to see in person, they say. The pages are a fine parchment called vellum, very smooth and durable. Vellum was made from the skins of young calves or monkey or donkeys. Interesting. Yeah, they got a few pictures, but I don't want to go... They, they got some stuff in it that just looks uh, evil and wild. Um, they got Bible verses out of there, uh, all types of stuff. I, I believe they call it the Codex Gigas uh, in certain circles. But I don't. Well, we, that that could get its own episode one day. That's how uh, interesting that one is. But you know, that's almost that's like going through that time. I feel like it's going through a Ouija board almost. You know, we got Melvin hexes and witchcraft. All right. 
while history shows that pre-Christian beliefs include the power of both light blessings and curses, the concept of curses is now often associated with witchcraft and dark spirits. Cursing tablets were one way the people of the ancient Greco-Roman society attempted to harness malevolent spirits and the wrath of powerful gods to damn their foes. Binding spells would be scratched into the surface of thin lead tablets. The tablets would then be rolled up, nails were driven into them, and they were placed underground, uh, like our films, Ray. They ended up at the bottom of the wells, nailed to temple walls, or buried with the dead. Uh, Like our films, Ray. Sometimes tablets appealed to the underworld gods Pluto, Hecate, or Perisophone. While other times in the text simply named the victim in the misfortune or death that was to befall them. One tablet found in London reads, I curse Tredia Maria in her life and mind and memory and liver and lungs mixed up together in her words through the memory. Uh, thus may she be unable to speak what things are concealed nor able. That's hard. That's like that's dark. I didn't even feel comfortable reading that. I think uh, don't, don't connect me to that. Um uh, somebody was very upset with her, which is bad news. They went after everything. That was like, that was horrendous. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it all stems back to wicked people. You know what I mean? Like, well, wicked, wicked people use any means. By any means, that, yeah. Yeah, and that includes the supernatural if, if they think they can or if they have access to it. Would this be classified as somebody who feels like their back's against a wall in a situation? Um, I don't think their back necessarily has to be against a wall. I think they have a heart full of hate. But in their mind. Well, they would consider that a back against the wall situation. In In a very twisted mind, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's, it's. You know this, 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 this. Yeah, yeah. The Devil's Bible is uh, there's some darkness stuff, you know. Um, but yeah, you know, sixteen the sixteen hundred year old tablet curses were found in Italy and recently translated. Um, Live Science, a website we always frequent and love, reports that the malevolent words and frightening images were meant to spell the end for both a Roman senator and a veterinarian named Porcello. A drawing of the Greek goddess Hecate was scratched into the lead plate with snakes writhing on her head. The curse read, destroy, crush, kill, strangle Priscilla and wife Marilla. Their soul, heart, buttocks, liver. These are some seriously sick, twisted up people with some serious bitterness and hatred in them. You know what I mean? I thought I've seen bitterness and hatred in this world. But well, you, you, <laughs> you got to really, really be pissed off when you're cursing their butt. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, that comes from somebody saying that they liked somebody's butt. Like, that's a girl that didn't want, didn't, couldn't have that guy, and that guy had the girl, and maybe the guy had the girl. And had the wife at the same time type deal. It was one of those deals. You know what I mean? 
uh, and that curse was like, like you know like a cheating husband type deal and then the 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 mistress laid the curse so it's almost like a mistress a, cur- a curse a mistress would throw on him and if the butt maybe that dude might be a butt guy that's why I got thrown in there well you know I'm I'm, I'm waiting for him to extend that curse to say un- uncontrollable diarrhea with frequent sneezing that would have done it that that that's the butt part. Limp dick. Give him limp dick. Give him dead dick syndrome. Next up, we have the evil eye. Okay. <laughs> also known as the Malachio from previous episodes. The evil eye is a very ancient curse known around the world. It dates back to the upper uh, Paleolithic period, and it is still awarded against today in many cultures, especially the Middle East, Latin America, Africa, Central America, Asia, Europe, and the Mediterranean. Uh, The malevolent glare or the evil look is the cause of bad luck and injury and is a a curse sometimes believed to be caused by feeling jealousy, possessing certain eye colors, or being over-complimentary or covetous. 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 Um... I hope that's not jealousy over having a certain eye color because what people like to say they like my eyes a lot. I get a lot of that liking of my my blue baby blue eyes. So hopefully nobody's throwing anything at me because of my baby blues. I didn't ask for them. I was just blessed with them. You know what I mean? Um, because belief in the power of the evil eye is so uh, per- pervasive around the world in many countries, talismans or amulets designed to ward off the curse can be found readily. Um, they, I remember seeing a picture of someone, an, an ancient talisman um, pendant that they rocked, and the things like it looks like they nailed, they glued someone's real eyeball to it. Which, who's to say if that's not the case? But uh, I hope it wasn't. You know what I mean? I think, um, if I remember correctly, the talisman has a blue center, and it's white around the blue, and it looks a lot like an eye. Yeah, this one had the one that I've seen had the red. It was red instead of blue, but I know what you're going with. I know what you're going with, yeah. It just has a funky look to it. Um, while curses and uh, magic might seem to be superstition of the ancients, there are many today who still arm themselves with ambulance and wards to protect against the effects of curses, as they should. Um, you know, our, our rational scientific world now scoffs at the idea of curses being a danger to anyone, and yet medical science can show that the uh, nocebo effect, an adverse psychogenetic reaction to a perception and expectation, remains a powerful psychological and physiological phenomenon. If you truly believe you are cursed and that belief is powerful enough, you may succumb to the curse, whether it exists uh, or not. Now, that's something I believe in. You know, that goes back to the power of the mind. You know, uh, we've talked about this on the show before. You know, Ray himself has been quoted. I've seen it in all the newspapers as saying that he's a man who thinks that if somebody really wanted to just w- wish death on themselves and be in such a place that they could probably kill themselves, like kill themselves or stop their heart. Um and yeah, you know, it goes into the whole thing of, you know, when there's like uh, an old couple and one passes and then the other one passes soon after it, it's because like uh, the broken heart, they kind of lost their will to live a little bit. And I do think that that play morale, and that's in your head and goes into your body. Like, I think 
the badness of that is almost like a, the seed of that. It's almost like radiation, you know, like a negative radiation that just kind of it's there and it, you know, thumps throughout your body, sends its vibes throughout your bodies and things can get infected by it. Um, that's my take on kind of like the curse still. And yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer on, you know, speaking it out, you know, um, I think being positive and praying is like the same deal. I think it's all based on the same thing where, you know, but people, both of those sides look at the other one very differently. You know what I mean? Usually. Um, but I think, you know, asking God for something to happen and you just kind of openly just speaking out into the universe saying, you know, I really want this to happen or, you know, something like that. I think it's kind of the same thing. I think it's just kind of putting it out there, letting it be known that you want it and uh, it'll come to you type deal. Um, in the same sense, these curses are along the same lines where it's not a positive thing you're putting out. It's a negative thing you're putting out and those can manifest as well, which is uh very troublesome nature stuff, you know, stuff you don't want to get, you don't want to uh, get tied into. Now, we've got all, with the, I wonder where magic broke off from this being kind of a spiritual thing into the physical showmanship, you know what I mean, of, of, of magicians and trick of the hand and all that stuff. Um, I think it's because of the naysayers. Like, again, I do think that magic and dark arts is definitely Ouija board type stuff where it's been made to kind of be looked at as not uh, effective, not important, not something that could be dangerous, but it could be, you know what I mean? Much like anything, you know, the fact that we only use a certain amount of our brains always, you know, that always sticks out to me too, because if we were to use the full brain, would we all be able to do what we consider magic would magic just be would it just be what it is just be nothing and magic would just be okay magic's tuesday magic's monday through sunday baby happy days everybody can do it you know but i think that uh as far as using parts of the brain yeah i remember seeing uh it was a documentary and part of it was they were doing a thing called remote viewing. Now, people would say, oh, well, that's not magic. But if you're in your one part of the world and you're able to observe something in another part, then you're tapping into a part of the brain that goes beyond our ordinary life, and that's magic. Yeah. And the interesting thing is one set of people were in a particular area. They were secluded. No one was allowed to talk to them. Another group was brought somewhere, and then they went back to the first group, and they said, "And uh, they said, okay, um, think about so and so. Where are they? What did they see?" And they started describing things, something, and they just they were describing these big buildings and looked like these big blocks. They weren't sure whether it was marble or this or that, and a lot of water and waterfalls and fountains and they're describing all this stuff and they recorded it down then um they went and filmed where the people were yeah they had dropped the people off in front of a, several large casinos in las vegas that have those big fake fronts that make them look almost like temples and stuff 
and big uh, artificial lakes and fountains in the middle of it. Yep. And they're describing these big structures, how they're built, the water, fountains and or waterfalls. I think one of them they showed a picture where they have this a fake waterfall coming down down a wall. And how did these people, and they had never done it except for about a half hour, maybe, yeah, about a 30-minute uh, quick lesson on how to blank the mind and concentrate on a person and open up, and yet they were able to do it. So the, the tapping of the, those parts of the mind that we can't or don't use on a normal daily basis, there's a lot of power there. Now, when yeah. you start mixing that in with intentions, good or bad, and let's say sacred geometry or symbols, um, you're opening a door that you've got to be careful with. Yeah. Now they got three different, they got three types of magic. They say you know, uh, white, gray, and black. You know what I mean? White magic has traditionally been understood as the use of magic for selfless or helpful purposes, while black magic was used for selfish, harmful, or evil purposes with the respect of the left-hand path and the right-hand path. Uh, dichotomy, uh, black magic is the malicious left-hand counterpart of the benevolent white magic. There is no consensus as to what, the, what constitutes white, gray, or black magic as uh, Phil Hines says, like many other aspects of occultism, what is termed to be black magic depends very much on who is doing the defining. Very true. Gray magic, also called neutral magic, is magic that is not performed for specifically uh, benevolent reasons, but is also not focused towards completely hostile practices. So, you know... Gray is like uh, Ross Perot. He's just there. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but it's really, it's really between, you know, the white and the black magics. You know what I mean? We need unity. We need a little more unity in our magic world. Are you going for stripes or checkerboard? Um, I like the checkerboard look. I prefer I checkerboard. That's very illumin. That's very dark arts in itself. The black checkerboard. I know that the Illuminati. There was some Illuminati thing where, like, the the the, the white and black tile, checkered tile floor, uh, was some weird deal. Like, in, like, in, I remember I heard that somewhere. That plays a part, and, and, and it does. It plays a part somewhere. If it's not Illuminati, it was satanic, occultist stuff. But there was something. It might have been satanic. Um, and I just tie Illuminati to the Satanus. But, yeah, I think it was a satanic thing where, like, a white checkered vibe was uh, something you don't want to mess around with. Now, um, the left-hand path, you know what I mean? In Western uh, esotericism, the left-hand path and the right-hand path are the dichotomy, like I said, between the opposing approaches to magic. Left-hand path is more of, like, the bad side. And the right hand's the good side. And the easiest way to remember that is what's the right thing to do? Okay, take a right. <laughs> what's the wrong thing to do? Take a left, so to speak. Um, there is a book called The Left Hand Path that I almost purchased once. Um, that's all about that deal. But I figured I had enough problems. I didn't need to pick up the book as well. Um, they also have high and low magic. 
Um, historians and anthropologists have distinguished between practitioners who engage in high magic and those who engage in low magic. High magic, also known as ceremonial magic or ritual magic, is more complex, involving lengthy and detailed rituals as well as sophisticated, sometimes expensive uh, paraphernalia. Low magic, also called natural magic, is associated with peasants and folklore and with simpler rituals such as brief spoken spells. Low magic is also closely associated with witchcraft. Um, Anthropologist Susan Greenwood writes that since the Renaissance, high magic has been concerned with drawing down forces and energies from heaven and achieving unity with divinity. High magic is usually performed indoors, while witchcraft is often performed outdoors. Have you heard that before? Uh, the indoor outdoor, no. You think that's a, like a, well, the, the, because the Wiccans are more the nature, you know what I mean? The, is a Wiccan more of a nature thing? It yeah. is. What I, dis, what I disagree with on that is if you get become very familiar with the Wiccan, yeah. um, you're, also doing, you're also dealing with greater powers. The same as in what they call high magic. That's kind of a leftover prejudice from where it came from. They're saying, oh, yeah, that, that's the low stuff. Meanwhile, the people with the fancy robes call themselves the high stuff. Yeah. Because they're, yeah. They're, in the, they're in the big temple with a fancy house doing it in a, in a $1,000 robe. So they must be the high magic. They're Illuminati. That's the Illuminati stuff we're talking about. Whereas the Wiccan, which can be outside, but there's the, the fo- elementals, uh, the forces of nature, um, the goddess, the god, all of these forces are there. And that's all just as high as what goes on in the fancy home. I wonder if it's low magic because like, you figure somebody of the earth wouldn't be wanting something crazy. They wouldn't be wanting world domination or anything. They'd be wanting maybe a terrain for the crops or something like that where the higher it's higher because more and more has to go into it because they're wanting more crazier things or more, uh, you know, miraculous things, whatever it may be they're looking for. I think that plays in any of it. I think that plays part in a part in it. I tend to keep it kind of, um, you have the earth magic and then you have the ego magic because I don't see magic as magic. Right. It's going to be done for good or bad. You can do it complex or you can do it simple. But society's got to put a name on it. And let's let's face it, if you have someone, uh, I don't know, royalty or rich or celebrity doing it, oh, that's high magic. Mm. You have your neighbor doing it like, oh, that's my neighbor. That's nothing. That's low magic. Yeah. It's, it's just the images that we've created, the prejudices we've created. Magic doesn't know the difference. It still works. Yeah. Magic is magic. You know what I mean? We had uh, the Renaissance. When the Renaissance popped in, we had a big change. Renaissance humanism saw resurgence in the hermeticism of Neoplatonic varieties of ceremonial magic. Uh, The Renaissance, on the other hand, saw the rise of science in such forms as the dethronement of the uh, Ptolemaic theory of of the universe which is uh, in, astrom- in astronomy, the geocentric model is su- superseded description of the universe with Earth at the center. 
right, we're getting w- way over my head with some of this stuff. So uh, we'll go the distinction. We'll get back into it. The distinction of uh, astronomy from astrology and the chemistry from alchemy. Um, there was great uncertainty in distinguishing practices of superstition, occultism, and perfectly sound scholarly knowledge of pious ritual. The intellectual and spiritual tensions erupted in the early modern witch craze, further reinforced by the turmoil of Protestant Reformation, especially in Germany, England, and Scotland. Uh, In hazardism, the displacement of practical Kabbalah using directly magical means by conceptual and meditative trends gained much further emphasis while simultaneously instituting uh, meditative theurgy uh, for material blessings at the heart of its social mysticism. Um, Yeah, I support that, you know what I mean? Now, to get a little more modern with it, you know what I mean? To get a little modern with things, you know. In the 19th century, the Haitian government began to legislate against voodoo, uh, describing it as a form of witchcraft. This conflicted with voodoo practitioners' own understanding of their religion. That's crazy. Uh, Anybody out there that wants to get into some more voodoo hoodoo talk is an episode uh, season one called voodoo running from my magic uh check it out but to get a little more modern with things you know what i mean as we like to do with the mostly ghostly show that's why it begins with an m for mostly because modern uh by the 19th century european intellectuals no longer saw the practice of magic through the framework of sin and instead regarded magical practices and beliefs as in aberrational mode of thought, anti-ethical to the dominant cultural logic, a sign of psychological impairment and the marker of racial or cultural inferiority. As educated elites in Western societies increasingly rejected the efficacy of magical practices, legal systems ceased to threaten practitioners of magical activities with punishment for the crimes of diabolism and witchcraft, and instead threatened them with the accusation that they were defrauding people through promising to provide things which they could not. Uh, The spread of the European colonial power across the world influenced how academics would come to frame and concept of magic. In the 19th century, several scholars adopted the traditional negative concept of magic. That they chose to do so was not inevitable. And they could have followed the example adopted by prominent exoterrorists active at the time, like Helena Blavatsky, who had chosen to use the term and concept of magic in a positive sense. Various writers also used the concept of magic to criticize religion by arguing that the latter still displayed many of the negative traits of the former. An example of this was the American journalist H.L. Mencken in his uh, polemical 1930 work, Treaties on the Gods. He sought to critique religion by comparing it to magic, arguing that the division between the two was misplaced. The concept of magic was also adapted by theorists in the new fields of psychology, where it was often used uh, simultaneously with superstition. Although the latter term proved more common in early psychological texts, 
in the late 19th century uh, and 20th centuries, folklorists examined rural communities across Europe in search of magical practices, which at the time they typically understood as survival of the ancient belief systems. It was only in the 1960s that anthropologists like John Favret Sada also began looking in-depth at magic in European contexts. Having previously focused on examining magic in non-Western contexts, in the 20th century, magic also proved a topic of interest to the surrealist, uh, an artistic movement based largely in Europe. The surrealism André Breton, for instance, published L'Art Magico in 1957, discussing what he regarded as the link between magic and art. Uh, I would like to read that. That's actually interesting. Uh, a, a scholarly application of magic as sugrenes category that can be applied to any social, cultural context was linked with the promotion of modernity to both Western and non-Western audiences. The term magic has become pervasive in the popular imagination and idiom. In contemporary context, the word magic is sometimes used to describe a type of excitement, of wonder, of sudden delight, and in such a context can be a term of high praise. Despite its historical contrast against science, scientists have also adopted the term in application to various concepts such as magic acid, which is, uh, uh, we will get into that, magic bullets and magic angles. Um, modern Western magic has challenged widely held uh, preconceptions about contemporary religion and spirituality. Uh, the polemical discourses about magical influence, the self-understanding of modern magicians, several whom, such as Aleister Crowley and Julius Avola, uh, were well-versed in academic literature on the subject. According to the scholar of religion, Henrik Bogdan, arguably the best-known emic definition of the term magic was provided by Crowley. Crowley, who favored the spelling magic, M-A-G-I-C-K, over magic as we know it, to distinguish it from stage illusionism, was the, of the view that magic is the science and art of causing change to occur in conformity with will. Crowley's definition influenced that of subsequent magicians, Dion Fortune of the Fraternity of the Inner Light, uh, for instance, stated that magic is the art of changing consciousness according to will. Uh, Gerald Gardner, the founder of Gardnerian Wicca, stated that magic was attempting to cause the physical, the physically unusual. While Anton LaVey, the founder of LaVeyan Satanism, described magic as the change in situations or events in accordance with one's will which would, using normally acceptable methods, be unchangeable. Um, I'd love to go in. I don't think we got enough time to dip into the meanings of all these people's sayings here, but they're very interesting. And some of them will pop up uh, again on the show. The chaos magic movement emerged during the late 20th century as an attempt to strip away the symbolic, ritualistic, theolo theological, or otherwise ornamental aspects of other occult traditions as distill magic down to the set of basic techniques. These modern Western concepts of magic rely on a belief in correspondence connected to an unknown occult force 
that permeates the universe. As noted by Hangograph, this operated according to the new meaning of magic, which could not possibly have existed in earlier periods, precisely because it is elaborated in reaction to the disenchantment of the world. For many, and perhaps most, modern Western magicians, the goal of magic is deemed to be personal, spiritual development. The perception of magic as a form of self-development is central to the way that magical practices have been adapted into forms of modern paganism and the New Age phenomenon. One significant development within modern Western magical practices has been sex magic, um, which is one practice of sex magic is using sexual arousal or orgasm to uh, visualize a desired result I believe that was a LeVay. That might have been Crowley uh, as well. Um, a lot of the dark arts like to mix orgasms with their magic. Who can blame them, you know? This was a practice promoted in the writings of Pachelle Beverly Randolph and subsequently exerted a strong interest in occultist magicians like Crowley and Theodore Roos. The adoption of the term magic by modern occultists can in some instances be a deliberate attempt to champion those areas of Western society which have traditionally been marginalized as a means of subverting dominant systems of power. The influential American Wiccan and the author Starhawk, for instance, stated that magic is another word that makes people uneasy. So I use it deliberately because the words we are, uncomf- we are comfortable with, the words that sound acceptable, rational, scientific, and intellectually correct, are comfortable precisely because they are the language of estrangement. I like that. In the present day, among some countercultural subgroups, the label is considered cool. Know what I mean? Sorcery is legal concept uh, in Papua New Guinea law which differentiates between legal good magic, such as hailing and fertility, and illegal magic held responsible for unexplained deaths. When you can, uh, when you can, when, when someone, when somebody asks you how somebody died and you say magic and they say, okay, questions, question marks floating up in the air for me. I think we need to get another detective agency in there to figure out what went down um, that's more that that slid right into the fun category, not fun, but that comedic category. Whenever we're reading through different stories and we come across something that sounds like complete bullshit, and we're like, "Nah, dude, no way, Jose, no way, Jose." Uh, that wasn't. That was definitely somebody killing somebody they don't like and trying to blame it on a ghost, trying to blame it on fucking Dracul, trying to blame it on somebody that wasn't them. And I think that. You know, in good old good old uh, Papua New Guinea, I think they, those unexplained deaths, I think, are, uh, you know, uh, organized crime or uh, the police force that want to make people take the big sleep. You know what I mean? I think that those are those are the magic. Those are the, the, the deaths you can blame on magic over there. But, yeah, uh, the magic, you have Crowley, dude, in LeVay. Uh, other people that I don't know what it is about them where they don't think they need to have hair. They, they need the shaved head vibe. Um, I don't know what that look is, but um, they all go for it. They got that fester vibe. 
Uh, LeVay is a dude that I think before he died, he he uh, he kind of said that it was all bullshit. I think that he was just kind of like, like LeVay is more of like a showman. I think he's more of like, out of all of them, he was more of like the rock and roll occultist. You know, he was the, he was the char, he was, he, he's the one that kind of blew up a little bit in pop culture and became, and he wasn't so wicked, you know what I mean? It's interesting to dive into it because I've, I've read a little bit of certain things. I've talked to people about it that believe in his stuff and, you know, the the Satanist thing's weird. I'm by no means that, of course, but I, it's a very interesting because their whole take is more of just, uh, you know, out which isn't good. But like, it's not it's not kill everybody off. You think Satanist? You think let's just go, let's get, let's find a bunch of people, let's find ten people to kill tonight for Satan. Where Leve, I think Levey's thing wasn't that. It was more, um, it was more like a greed is good. And stuff like that, like, like that, like that guy has something I want. I should be able to go take that. Like, instead of like, you know, don't, don't. The Bible would tell you, you know, don't, don't look at somebody else's stuff and want after it. You know, the flip side is like that. I want that. How can I get that type deal? You know, and like, how can I make everything good for me and other people? Which is like a bad way of thinking, but it's not. It's not as. It's bad, but it's not as evil as you may think, so to speak. It's not killing people. It's not. Let's. It's not like let's go kill a bunch of people so we can always have. They don't always have a fucking gallon of blood in their refrigerator. You know what I mean? Of freshly killed people. Um, but they're all very interesting characters. You know what I mean? Um, we'll dip into them more in the future because there's some really interesting dudes and like Levey, who's I believe Levey at the end. I think he fell apart at the end. If I do, you know much about him? Not that much. I know one of them did. One of them kind of turned around and said, "It's been a big show." Yeah, Levey. I think it was Levey, and he was the one that went on a lot of like TV shows. He was on like Maury Povic, and he was kind of like paraded as a clown. You know what I mean? But I think he kind of let it happen so he could become more famous. I think that the fame, I think ego might have got to LeVay type deal where the other dudes were more, a little more behind the scenes, I feel. The other ones look evil as hell. Um, LeVay looks like a cartoon character, you know what I mean? But Crowley, dude, you, you, you know, I've seen, you see pictures of Crowley. There's a picture of Crowley, like it's a picture of him in a room just like sitting at a typewriter and he's just like looking off to the side, no smile. And you feel like it's the devil, dude. It's like, it's, it's, it's horrifying. You know what I mean? Um, he just really embody, he, he really embodies that, that deal. Um, but yeah, we'll probably tap into those folks later in the future, but that was a pretty good rundown of, you know, we really want to kind of do a small little introduction, not small, like a nice hour, hour, 10 minute introduction or so. Um, on fucking magic, you know what I mean? And we're going to dive into it deeper. I know me and Ray have been talking about a couple different types of magic that we wanted to kind of discuss on the show. Um, you know, it had different characters in it, uh, in the game of magic. And we're not talking about that game of magic, not ga- not magic the gathering, um, a different type of magic, you know what I mean? But hell yeah. So Ray, is there anything you want to kind of say in closing for magic this week? Well, one thing that might people might find interesting, if you can get your hands on it, you yeah. mentioned uh, Madame Blavatsky. 
she had a book. It's a very large book. There were 12 large chapters called The Secret Doctrine. And it covers pretty much everything, the old ones, as in the old gods, etc. And it goes right on through. And it's a, when I was young, I had it. Unfortunately, I lent it to somebody and never got it back. Uh, one of these days, I'm going to go out and pick it up again and give it a reread to see how my perspective is now. But um, if you want an introduction into something that touches on magic and a lot more, that's a, that's a good book. Yeah, magic, sure. magic itself. Um, when people are saying that you know I perform a cell for uh, a, cer- a ceremony to kind of bring something into my life or something good, well, that's the same thing that nowadays New Age people would call manifesting. Yeah, you're doing doing it with your mind. Uh, scientists say the whole universe is nothing but energy. We generate energy with our minds. Is magic real? The belief in the energy you put into it, whether you use an elaborate ritual, symbols, or you keep it simple, that can be very real, and that can change your life and somebody else's life. You have to be careful with it. Yeah. Yeah, I want to read a little bit up on the art, uh, magic and the arts mixing. That was interesting. Sure, you know what I mean. But yeah, so that being said, you know, if, if you get, if you if you if that sparked your interest, then uh, by all means, pop it off, you know, and uh, dive a little deeper. There's definitely a lot of uh, interesting stuff out there, you know. You know, many practices. I'll read one more thing here. Many practices which have been labeled magic can be performed by anyone. Uh, they say, for instance, some charms can be recited by individuals with no. Uh, specialist knowledge nor any claim to having specific power. Others require specialized training in order to perform them. Some of the individuals who perform uh, magical acts on more than one occasion basis uh, came to be identified as magicians or with related concepts of the sorcerer, uh, sorcerers and sorceress, witches or, or cunning folk. Uh, identifies a magician can st- uh, stem from an individual whose claim about themselves or it can be lab- a label placed upon them by others. In the latter case, an individual could embrace such a label or they could reject it sometimes uh, v- vehemently. So I think I tapped a little bit into the, fa- the, the tie-in of like, I think that when magicians became the magicians that we kind of know as magicians is kind of, they started with these people just doing like these one, one offs, you know what I mean? Like these things would happen. And then it's, it almost started to get exploited where everybody wanted to be a magician because, you know, Oh, look at him. Everybody loved what he did. He was so great. So then the the fakers probably started to come in at that point. And then they were doing, okay, this is my trick. Boom. And then they're doing it every day. Whereas in these other people were just, it was more of an event when they did it. Now you're getting, oh, it's just a show, and then it slowly just becomes that. And now, you know, the, the, the magicians and the entertainment magicians become more famous because it is magic's more of kind of that behind-the-scenes type deal. And uh, the ones that we know are the ones that kind of climb to the top of uh, pop culture, if you will. You know, they're all there, but the fact that we the, the re, when you hear magician – I'm thinking of a dude pulling a rabbit out of a hat, you know what I mean? Before I think of anything else. Um, but that's just kind of maybe the way that we're supposed to be thinking, 
I don't want to get too behold. Maybe we're supposed to think that. But definitely some crazy stuff. So, everybody out there, heck yeah. If you like this, we'll be diving into this subject again in the future. You know what I mean? Um, so, definitely, that gives you more reason to stay tuned and stay with the podcast, you know. But if you like this podcast, go uh, li- wherever you're listening to this, you can find yourself 80-something episodes more of what you're listening to right now. And there's more than 80-so episodes coming to your ass. So, Check it out, listen to it, support it on the social meds. You know what I mean? Check out the Facebooks and the Instagrams and all that. And uh, just check out Facebook for now. That's all you really need to do. And uh, check out Mostly Ghostly on social media. If you want to tap in and subscribe to the Boombastic Media YouTube page, feel free to do that. Our first couple episodes were up there. If you want to trip down memory lane. And I heard a, a little ghostly birdie told me, that there might be some vid footage for the ghostly stuff coming up soon to be found there. If you are a person that loves supporting, you know, some independent folk, some free thinkers, people that like to bring you the paranormal stuff, you can hit up our Patreon page at Boombastic Streaming. That's Boombastic with two O's. Boombastic streaming and uh tagging we get a bunch of cool perks we do films as well so uh there are certain perks that tags you into all of our films and all types of really cool stuff so do yourself a doggone favor get out there to the patreon look up boombastic streaming check out the perks if those fit your fancy you like it sign yourself up christmas is coming if that don't like and fit your fancy you come back and catch us for free baby And uh, we love you just the same either way. And uh, pretty soon, yeah, next week, I think, Halloween. And uh, tune in because we've got on uh, that Boombastic Media YouTube page. I know Boombastic Media is our production company. does all our shows. And I know all the shows get together for a big Halloween as well as Christmas specials. And this this season, this month's Halloween, baby. So go check that out. And... We, uh, we appreciate everybody listening, and we hope y'all will be good out there. No curses are on you. We take them off right now. We just lifted the curses off of everybody listening and talking. Got to do that. And uh, we'll catch y'all on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly.